The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Humility. That's a trait we love to see in others, but we spend precious little time developing it in ourselves. Right? We love to see humility in other people, especially when you don't expect it. Maybe you meet someone famous and uh, they don't act like it. Or you know someone who's incredibly talented or skilled in something, but they, they don't make a big deal of it at all. Or maybe it's just the person you know who is willing to do their work quietly, reliably, doesn't need the accolades that so many people seem to crave. Humility is a trait we love to see in others. Why is it, though, that we spend so little time trying to develop it in ourselves? Jesus today is talking to us about our Christian character, and one of the character virtues that he wants his disciples to have is humility. And now, humility, when Jesus talks about it, is not... Uh, it's not the attitude of saying that, that uh, there's nothing good about me, I, I won't mention at all that I've got any gifts or any accomplishments or anything like that. Um, somebody once wrote that true humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis, the uh, author and apologist, um, he wrote about Christian humility and it's a really interesting paragraph, I want to read it to you. He said this, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Then he says, If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. A biggish step. At least nothing whatsoever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. I think his words are so wise. When Jesus is talking about humility, this trait that we love to see in others, but this trait that we spend so little time developing in ourselves, he's talking about the attitude of a Christian to think about themselves less. To understand that we know we have a place in heaven waiting, to know that we are adopted sons and daughters of the king, and that sets us free to think about ourselves less while we're here, that we might be a blessing to the people around us. But Jesus' call to humility is, well, it's not always an easy one to hear or to listen to. Um, but Jesus wants us to be humble because deep down, there's a part of us that really doesn't want to be humble, right? I mean, where's, where's the payoff in humility? Especially because, you know, I'm kind of, sort of awesome. And if I'm kind of sort of awesome, it seems like people should know that. I mean, why would I keep that hidden? Muhammad Ali was once said, uh, 
it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Oh. There's a little Muhammad Ali that lives inside of each of our hearts that believes that we're kind of, sort of awesome and we kind of, sort of think people should know it. And that's the part that fights against this idea of humility and asks, where's the payoff in being humble? Pride like that is pervasive in our world and in our lives, even if we don't like to admit it. I mean, I'm actually convinced that social media was built expressly for that purpose. So you can be prideful and make sure everybody knows that you're kind of, sort of awesome. Right? When you put your humble brag onto Facebook, or you run through filters so you can go on Instagram. What's the payoff? Is that reality? I mean, what are you hoping to accomplish there? You want to make someone a little jealous of how kind of sort of awesome your life is? Do you want the world to notice you? I, I guess, but if the payoff is 17 little digital thumbs up, or four hearts from Instagram, Really? For those of you who are older, I don't know if you noticed this, but the younger generation absolutely recognize the lack of authenticity on social media. I mean, that's why I, I see them doing the, some of the new ones now, like Be Real, where you don't get a chance to set up your shot. It takes a picture off the front of your phone and your back of your phone at the same time, right when, you, right when you're supposed to take it. Because they're craving authenticity and they know that this stuff on social media that maybe sometimes we older folks forget, um, it's not real. It is absolutely crafted to work with our pride, to move us in the opposite direction of humility, but it's not real. And what's the payoff? I mean, what's the payoff? Maybe you're not somebody who, whose pride falls to social media, but maybe you're one of those people who needs to be the, uh, the center of every conversation, or the smartest person in the room, or the funniest person in the room, or the prettiest one, or the one who gets all the attention and you're willing to compromise a lot to be that. What, what's the payoff? The little bit of a dopamine hit when you feel it? The response you get from the people around you? You know, here's the thing. Jesus is here to tell us today that the payoff we get from pride, whether it's on social media or it's in social circles, whether it's a dopamine hit or 17 digital thumbs up, Jesus says, the payoff there is so paltry. Why do we waste our time with pride? He wants to offer us something different. He wants to offer us something better, right? Jesus is going to give you a gift today. Here's the gift. Um, the gift of refusing to be so preoccupied with yourself, right? Now, this gift, this word of Jesus runs completely counter to the culture of narcissism that we have in American society today. That's the culture in which we live, the one that says, you are what matters. You should run everything in your life through the filter of, does this make me happy? Does this make me feel fulfilled? Does this bring me joy? Does this bring me pleasure? Run everything through, does it work for you? That's the American narcissistic culture, and Jesus offers you a gift of leaving that behind and having something far, far better. See, Jesus says that Christian character is not focused on self, but humility is one that leads us to think of ourself less. And Jesus also wants us to know this because his, well, his offer of a gift also comes with a warning for us. 
He says, people that don't learn to humble themselves, they're going to be humbled. The situation at which this, uh, this instruction of Jesus comes up was Jesus was attending a dinner party. Dinner party uh, at the home of a leading Pharisee. So remember the Pharisees, they would have been the religious leaders of the people of Israel. As a general rule, that group was opposed to Jesus and his message of grace. Um, they obviously invited him to this dinner party for a reason. The Bible says they were watching him. The movers and shakers of the town were there. This is a leading Pharisee. But they didn't want to engage Jesus on matters of faith or practice. Jesus wanted to try to talk to them about a man who was sick. Should he be healed on the Sabbath? Do you, where does the Sabbath play in the life of God's people? It says they didn't have anything to say about that. No, no, they were just watching. They were just watching Jesus, hoping to see if he would trip up, see if they could catch him. But you know, verse 7 of our reading said Jesus was watching too. He was watching them. And he, what he was watching was this process by which all these movers and shakers in town had to figure out where they were going to be seated at the banquet. Now, this might strike us a little oddly in our Western culture, but ancient Near Eastern culture is what we call an honor-shame culture, where your family would be assigned honor or shame, depending on how you acted or things that happened to you in the community, and that honor or shame would be kind of publicly displayed in ways that would kind of make us scratch our head and cringe a little bit in Western society. But theirs was very much an honor-shame culture, and in, a, in a, a group fellowship meal like this, this was one of the chief places where honor or shame would be assigned to your family in a way that everybody could see it. Those with high honor would get these seats. Those without high honor would get those. And Jesus watches them as they're trying to figure out where they're supposed to sit. Wouldn't that be fun? We all get up and go in the commons and we decide who gets to sit closest to the coffee based on how much honor your family has or how much shame. That would be awesome, right? Get to look around and say, well, I know I got more honor than him. And I know I got more honor than her. Yeah, this one's kind of a toss-up. We might be tied with that family over there. And then everybody sits down. And then the master of the banquet comes up and says, what are you doing sitting there? You are way too close to coffee. Go out and sit by the playground. Then you get up, and you and your family have to walk out and sit on the outside seats. Right? Could you imagine? This is what's going on, and Jesus looks at them, and he's, he recognized the fact that these, these men, these leaders of God's people, had gotten everything turned around. They had no care or concern for the person who needed to be healed on the Sabbath day. They didn't even want to talk with Jesus about what the ro appropriate role is for care and concern for people. All they were concerned about was making sure they sat at the right order next to the coffee and donuts. And so Jesus says to them, you know, here's the deal. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but whoever exalts himself is going to be humble. Jesus says this action of these men trying to find their seats, while, while that's not something you and I are ever going to do, we're not going to go fight over seats in the commons, I wonder if that... Uh, that attitude, though, is one that we, we emulate more often than, than we care to admit. You know, if you take a look at your relationships, what part does pride play in them? Now, you take your closest relationship if you're married. Where does pride play in your relationship with your spouse? I mean, when it comes to your relationship, is it... Uh, um, 
Things got to be on your terms, your way, your choices, your needs. That's not thinking of yourself less, is it? Or what about when you're at work, jockeying for position, knowing who got what project and who didn't, wondering about who got a raise and who didn't deserve it? It's not thinking of yourself less, is it? These types of attitudes of ours that are easy to crawl into our life are exactly the opposite of what Jesus calls for. You know, because what he said to us was, watch out, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He said, if you try to run away from humility, you're going to find humility thrust upon you. And i got to tell you, when humility comes on you, unwanted and unasked, you don't call it humility, you call it humiliation. He warns us that if we live a life of pride, we might find ourselves being marched out of the commons to sit on the outside seating by the playground. But Jesus offers you an invitation today. He says a Christian never needs to fear humiliation because he wants us to have the gift from him of refusing to be preoccupied with ourselves, of being set free by being humble. It's not always easy, but that's exactly why Jesus he starts out by reminding us that it begins with a really honest self-assessment. i got to tell you, it's really hard to be prideful if I can look at my life and honestly see where I would stand with God without Jesus. If I look at my life and see the sins that should make my God turn his back on me, I see the sins that should make God condemn me, except... Except the Son of God left the throne of heaven and humbled himself for me. Humbled himself so much as to become obedient to death on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven for all the times we let pride run our life when we get so preoccupied with ourselves or so self-centered. He forgives us and he washes us, washes it all away. If the Son of God can humble himself for me, do you think maybe... I can take a place of humility in my marriage, in my workplace, with my family, with the people who need me. When we take a place of humility, sometimes even simple things change. Like, I don't know, maybe you're at work. There's a difference between how we interact with people, how we receive the emotions or the actions that they're doing. Like, imagine this, you're at work and uh, this person's there and they've got this look on their face. I mean, like they've been sucking on a lemon, that kind of look, right? And they've been giving everybody else the stink eye all morning long. Now, the preoccupied part of ourself says, well, this must be about me. She must be angry with me. Maybe Jesus says if we think about ourselves less, we might be led to say, maybe there's something going on in her life that I don't know anything about. This might have nothing to do with me at all, and maybe what she really needs is someone to be there in case she wants to talk about it. It takes simple things and turns it on its head. And the whole point Jesus is saying is, what is the, what is the relationship you have with the people around you, and how is that impacted by your relationship with Jesus? I mean, that's what he was getting at with this whole, um, don't invite people to dinner unless they're poor and crippled and lame. He's not saying you can't have your friends over to have dinner. That's not what he's saying. It's all a talk about what's the payoff. We said, what does pride pay off? Well, it might be some 
likes or hearts. It might be a dopamine hit, but we find out that pride doesn't pay very well. Jesus is asking us to examine our life and say, where would we like to receive the payoff for our actions? Now or then? Because, you know, what Jesus was saying, well, let me read his words. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. And then he says, you will be blessed. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You know, if I invite my friends over for dinner, what I get is I get the love, the joy, the fellowship. That's blessing enough. Jesus is talking about, though, if we're talking about blessings at the resurrection of the righteous, well, now I'm talking about a completely different relationship between what I do and where my hope is. He's saying pride leads us to look for the payoff of what I deserve now. Humility says my future is in God's hands, and Jesus says I'm going to be blessed. Jesus says I'm going to be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So I can wait for that. I can selflessly serve other people, and I'll wait and be repaid by Jesus. I'll tell you what, that's an easy choice. Who would you rather have be in charge of your repayment? Bob from accounting or the high prince of the heavenly kingdom? Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross to save you and me and to make us his blood-bought children, adopted sons of God. When we see that, we follow our Savior's example and we bring true humility to our relationships, to our workplace, to the people around us because Jesus wants to use that to bless them through us. If you ever find yourself worried when you start doing that, worried, well, what if I always am looking after somebody else's needs? Uh, what if I put everybody else's needs first? Aren't I going to be shortchanged? Who's going to take care of me? Again, Jesus wants us to flip that thinking. Jesus needs to put his hand on our shoulders and remind us, I'm not Bob from accounting, right? I'm the high prince of the heavenly kingdom. Live your life with Christian humility and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So brothers and sisters, live a life of humility. Put other people's needs first in your marriage, in your workplace, around you. Doing that doesn't threaten what you have. It underscores it. Don't be afraid to take the last seat at an earthly banquet because there's a better banquet coming. God grant it. Amen.